What's up, fuckers? <laughs> man is back. Uh, what a welcome back after a year away. Tony, I guess talking about it, man. I mean, a year off, now you're back. It's time to fight again. Give us, give us just the, the emotions, what's going through your head right now. This is awesome. I'm just glad to be here. Glad to see you guys. Non-pandemic, and uh, just hopefully we can enjoy this weekend really good. Obviously, you're constantly training, you know, during the time away. It's not like it was just you were on the sidelines. But I guess, was there a primary focus, a primary goal like, during that year? Uh, just get back and acclimated to what I really have to do, and that's winning. Uh, I can't really bullshit too much. I uh, went back to my old school roots, said it before, but really kept it on this time. So it was really cool, man. Structured everything out. Certainly, you don't want to sit and talk about losses and setbacks, but when you evaluate them, do you look at it as something I did wrong in preparation, something I did wrong in tactics, just the fact that this is the highest level of the sport? I surrounded myself around the wrong kind of mentality. I'm not going to say anything bad about anything, but uh, you know, leading up to my last fight, I had to kind of think about that when my boxing coaches, they were telling me don't throw a jab, and everybody's telling me to knock them out. It was kind of confusing going out there. It almost looked like I froze, right? Right. So if you're going to tell me not to throw a jab, and you're going to tell me to knock them out, what's the, really the point? So has this been like a, a, a mindset adjustment more than anything in terms of, you know, the way you enter the cage on Saturday? I had to stop thinking all about the bad shit and just kind of just focus on what's really important, which is just having fun. And if I'm not having fun, I'm not going to go out there and have a good time, which is obviously you guys saw that. And uh, I've been in enough positions, bad positions, where I thought that Khabib would actually take a fight. And the, <laughs> the pussy's still scared. So nothing to him, you know what I mean? But with Chandler, uh, I've wanted this opportunity for a long time. I feel like he cut in line. Uh, it's not his fault. That's always on Dana. But, uh, you know, I mean, there's only so many times where you could fight for the interim belt as well. But I had to put all that beside me and be able to get back to my roots, which was having fun, smiling, and being able to enjoy this kind of stuff again. Yeah. You've always fought anybody, of course. But uh, is it a little more exciting to fight the guy with Dana White privilege, right? I mean, uh, you nailed it with him. I don't think that shit's very funny. No? You do, maybe. I thought, I thought that the moniker was good. I thought it was pretty enjoyable. I don't think it's very funny. So, I mean, everybody's looking at it, and they're smiling, and they're laughing at it, but nobody's saying shit. So, I'm the kid that's up here with Brown, Dana Brown privilege, I guess, or whatever the fuck you want to call it. I don't think it's very funny anymore. And neither do you guys. I don't think you guys should think that's very funny. So, I'm taking this weekend very fucking seriously. So, I'll kick this Dana White boy's ass chip on your shoulder then is this personal no nothing personal against Chandler but I'm gonna be real I'm tired of the retaliation tactics from the company last thing for me then I guess for you Tony what is the meaning of this fight is it about proving something to anybody else or, or, or getting you know what is the meaning of it other than just a fight uh, bringing the fans some noise man I'm gonna be real I'm an entertainer I go out there and entertain so I'm a storyteller too so when I go out there I like to tell that story so that way I can send the message that I got to everybody else in the world and when they realize that <clears throat> who I speak for and who I am about, it, I think it hits home with a lot of people. And uh, I think it can radiate with that. And, uh, you know, I mean, everything's about growth. So if it's not about growth, I don't want any part of it. We'll talk about that after I win. Does that have anything to do with the break? I mean, this has obviously been a very long break for you. Was that purposeful or was that? Oh, you guys are listening now. That's interesting. That's cool. This is why I haven't done any interviews. This is why I just kept my mouth shut for a long time. 
A lot of fighters have been keeping their mouths for, shut for a long time. You should ask some of the other fighters that have been fucking treated like shit for a long time, too. So I'm not the only one thinking it or fucking saying it or seeing it. So maybe you should ask them, too. Uh, Tony, to your left, over here. Uh, Dustin Poirier said that he would probably fight the winner uh, between you and Chandler. Uh, what do you have to say about that? He's full of shit. I'm going to be real. He said he wanted to fight me many times, and then I gave the opportunity to him, and then we even gave, somebody gave him more money to be able to fight. The kid's full of shit. You know, nothing against Poirier or any of the other fighters, but I'm worried about Chandler. We prepared for this guy for UFC 274 for many, many weeks. I brought in some really good, smart people to be able to structure all the stuff and all the talent that I have to be able to go in there and get this victory come Saturday night. So I'm, a diff I'm a different animal. Hold on, brother. I'm talking. <laughs> now, that shit was funny. <laughs> and uh, off-topic question, uh, what kind of music have you been listening to to prepare for this fight? Oh, man. Classic, classic rock. More than anything else was pretty cool, you know what I mean? Keep the vibes going. Uh, ACDC Thunderstruck, you know, Peter Gabriel's Sledgehammer. I mean, literally, you know, Toto, which is cool. It's always, you know, hold the line. I mean, some video game rap music. I mean, whatever is going to be the thing that's going to keep the – get the crowd going. You know, that's, that's pretty much how I feel inside, the, inside my practice room. But uh, leading up to the fight, I wasn't listening to anything. I was just keeping the beat. You know, I had to bring myself back to the Ultimate Fighter when they took our music away and they took, uh, they took our phones away and they took everything. They stuffed us in a room for a couple of days and they said, hey, you guys can't leave this place. Took away all of our privileges. It felt like you were in fucking prison. Never been to prison, but I'm going to be real. That was close as it could be. And then you had to find out everything about somebody and have cameras all around them and know every single fucking move that they were going to do. That's what the Ultimate Fighter is about. They want to know every fucking thing about you. They want to see how you're going to react during certain situations. But I was handpicked by Dana White, and I won the Ultimate Fighter. I knocked everybody out at 170 pounds. And they've been making me cut weight. They made me feel like I was inadequate going up to 170 again. They made me feel like I could not do that. They made me feel like I had to lose weight over and over. They didn't care about how I feel. They don't care about how I was treating my body or how I was treating my mind. It's kind of fucked up, pretty much. If I wanted to go back a weight class because of my health, do you think they would care? I don't know. Maybe you should ask Dana. When you, when you look at... Mike, when you watch him on tape and you look at what Mike Chandler does, why, why is this a good matchup for you? Oh, man, he likes to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. He wants to fight in the box. He likes to get hit once in a while. You know, it gives him riled up. Um, uh, he's a good puzzle, man. I'm going to be real, but I think he's looking past me. I mean, I don't talk to myself in the third person at all, and he kind of does, so we got to battle his ego first. You know, come past that ego, he's going to break. So, I mean, I'm not trying to pump myself up more anything else than I have to because, you know, I already did that during strength and conditioning. My physique is different. My mental is different. My whole mindset is back to where it needs to be. It's a varsity mentality. When you say you think he's looking past you, what, what makes you say that? Like, what are you seeing? I don't know. I don't really listen to him too much, but I heard he was talking about Conor McGregor and the next fights and everything, and that's cool. Good for you. You're going to have your hands full come Saturday night at UFC 274. So I'm going to go in there, have fun, and smile. I'm going to throw some punches, throw some kicks and knees, put this kid in a clinch and put some hurt on him. So I'm going to make him bleed, see him, make him see his own blood. I think he likes that. I wonder, I mean, when you're looking at it, does it feel like that sentiment is more per pervasive than just Mike? Like, do you feel like the MMA community in general is looking past you right now and has sort of moved on? Uh, I'm glad. That's exactly what I want it to be. I wanted to disappear a little bit. I wanted to make sure that I was in the right places at the right times during certain things. So, you know, the way I portrayed it is I disappeared from the world, and I really didn't. I just didn't talk to you fuckers. So 
I don't owe anybody anything besides going out there and giving my best and making sure I walk out the same way. And, you know, best of luck to Michael Chandler and myself. You know, may the best man win. But come Saturday night, my hand's going to be raised in victory. Well, the last one for me, I'm just curious. Um, obviously, you've been in a lot of fights like this with Mike. I think a lot of fans are very excited for this fight because it seems like it's going to be very exciting. I just wonder, can you describe to, to us or maybe somebody who hasn't been in there what it feels like to be in these sort of gut check, blood and, blood and guts type of fights like I think a lot of people expect this one might be? Uh, first, you gotta, first, you got to go through fight week, and that's the best part. You show up, we're cutting weight, and then we have to do media, you know, and then we have to cut weight, and you have to do more media, and you have to do photo shoots. And then it builds up. It's kind of like when you're building a fire rocket or fire car, you know what I mean? You're building it in layers, but you have to be very careful. And when you're doing that, when you're, when you're being really careful with it, there comes a time for celebration when you're able to light it and then making sure that it goes out right. So when you're doing stuff like that, you know, I really deal with fire techniques and stuff. You know, I have friends that do that. But it's dangerous. So if you're not being careful during fight week, you're not going to go out there and you're not going to have a good product on Saturday night. So come Saturday night, everything's going to go well, man. There's a lot of things going on in the world. So if we can bring a little bit of entertainment and a little bit of smiles to everything that's going on in the world, that's pretty cool, man. So if people like bloodshed, which is cool, but as long as nobody's fucking having, you know, too much of it, I guess that's a good thing. You know what I mean? But like I said, come Saturday night, everybody's fortunate that you have warriors going out there and doing their job. I think we're underpaid, personally. I'm going to be real. I'm not going to say it too much. You know, I mean, Dana said something the other day, and I, I put it on. It's on my phone. I think it was MMA Fighting actually reposted it, talking about how boxers are overpaid. I asked Dana to box. He said, fuck no. I'm like, why? I wanted to go play, you know, I want to go play baseball. I want to go do other pro sports. I'm an athlete. I grew up playing different pro sports or different sports at a very high level. We're in a state championship football ring right here. We were 27-1. You know, I come from Grand Valley State University as a wrestler. I want to go do, you know, pro wrestling. You know, I got Brock, Uncle Brock, that's right there watching me. I want to go do all these couple things, but then I have this guy right here acting like a fucking drug dealer telling me I can't go and do this shit. I want to go make more money for my family. You know, I'm watching, I'm watching Embedded and I see what Brian T. City and I see his agent up there and he's like, oh, and he was funny because he made a joke where he was like, oh, you're making money now. And he talked about his agent and he's like, where'd you, you know, where are you getting your money? There's too many levels of things right here where I got pissed off at and I had to kind of put that besides me. You know, you make your money by winning. You make your money by showing up, winning, and having good performances. Right now, I guess we're getting paid crypto, I guess, huh? You know, they're following everybody's suit. They're kind of waiting for everybody to speak up. They're waiting for everything else like that. I'm waiting for insurance. I've been competing in this sport for a long time. I took a bad fall at Fox. They took my title from me. You know, I don't even have to go into the Miller Ayala Act where an agent is not supposed to be competing in the same sport as you. But you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, I mean, when it comes down to that, and then I'm going to get stripped of my title because I fucking took a bad fall in accident, I should have sued. But what I did was I felt good for my company. I wanted to be the man. I wanted to make sure that everybody knew that I fucking could do this stuff without anybody else's help. So that's a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, you know what I mean? To kind of keep coming here and smiling and being used to be on a poster and to have that high value. When I saw that UFC didn't think my value was that high, I had increased it in other ways, which was through social media. And through social media, I did it really organic, didn't pay for anything. I went through there and I, and I had fun and showed my plants and overnight I made a million followers. And even overnight again, made like another two. Then I stopped. 
I stopped caring about it because I was just like, you know what, why am I doing all of this? It's not going to do anything for me. But then I realized I was getting these emails from these people from all over the world saying that I saved their life, that they didn't want to kill themselves, that they found themselves in bad territories, that they didn't. And I'm not the only one. I guarantee you there's a lot of fighters that get these emails. But it's incredible. And so all those guys that are out there watching and listening and you kind of hear me getting pissed off all the time, it's cool, it's fun, I'm all right, okay, we're going to be okay. You know, it's okay to get mad once in a while, but you have to channel that shit in the right way. When you channel in the right way, good things happen. You win championships, you go out there and you have victories, and then you end up building your fan base. So, yeah. I mean, I just wanted to follow up on that. I mean, do you, do you feel like you're being stifled? Like, it feels like you're almost kind of over it, but maybe conflicted about that? Nah, like I said, I had a nice year and a half to think about everything. It's kind of like being put on restriction a little bit. You know what I mean? Just kind of had time to sit there and just kind of thinking what I wanted to do. And during the time I shouldn't have fought, I was injured. You know, when after that Gaethje fight, I broke my toe. I didn't even know I broke my foot. And I was so injured on my legs. I didn't even want to go down. I didn't want to get, I didn't get knocked down. I kept fighting through that. I thought about Jesus, man, carrying the fucking cross and that dude would not quit. Every single time that they would beat him down, he would get back up and he would keep moving forward. I was thinking that whole entire time when Charles had my arm out like that, I was like, he didn't tap. And I remember my kid, he had his arm hyperextended. You know, one time I was like, hey, 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 careful, you know? I was like, you don't want to hurt yourself, but he's na he naturally like that. So when I'm in the fight, I'm thinking about my son. I'm thinking about my arm. I'm like, ah, go ahead, break the fucker. I was like, because I'm going to beat you with it. And in the third fight with Darius, it was the same way. These were all tests and mental battles that I went through because I wasn't ready to win yet. I wasn't ready to have that championship belt. I wasn't mentally there yet. I had, you know, I redid my house and I, and I had to build another spot so I could think of things that I wanted to do and accomplish. You know, in high school, there was these guys that all state on the wall. And I was like, I walked through there and I'm like, man, I want to be one of those guys. Do that, all state, win state, get to college. Hey, get called in and I see these names on the wall for national champions, all American. Huh, I want to do that. That looks really cool. I go do that, two-time All-American national champ, captain of a two-time national championship team. And I was like, okay, what's the next step? Go to the UFC. They built a performance institute. They built that. They saw that we needed something like that, which is great. Then they put the things up on the wall and said, Hall of Fame. I said I wanted to do that. What did I do? Still not in the Hall of Fame yet, but I'm meriting my credentials, right? I think I'm pretty much in there. So I had to kind of think again, and I was like, I got a belt, an intern belt. And then they wanted me for a fight for another intern belt. I was like, well, I already have one of those. It's kind of selfish for me to not just, you know, have one. I don't want two intern belts. I have one, but it was a championship belt because through the stuff, it should have went. You know, like I don't have to go back on the Miller Ayala Act, but, you know, I will. And then I had to think about it again. I saw the new belt, and I was like, ah, I got treated like shit for a long time. Kind of don't really want it. It was like a Cracker Jocks prize. Kind of like, well looks kind of fake to me. It wasn't the classy kind of shit, but then I had to readjust my thinking. I had to build something. So that way I had space on my shelf to be able to put something new. So that's what I have. I have space on my shelf and I looked at it a couple of days and, you know, walk past it, look at it again. And I look and I'm like, man, there's empty there. Cause I need to, I need something to be put there. I was like, it'd be kind of nice to put a belt right there. And I started kind of getting hungry again, kind of figuring it out. You know, putting things together like a puzzle. And it started and it clicked. 
So I'm a straight shooter now, man, and it's, everything's pretty cool. So this camp, I'm very fortunate to be able to put things together and structure the shit out of myself. In my other interview, I said I had too many main ideas. But it's good to multitask like that, because I can multitask on three computers, like, no problem. But to be able to write a central paper and put one central idea as a main heading and be able to write everything around it, that was a hard part. So I have that now. I put that central st that structure towards where I needed to go, and I want that belt. It's kind of cool, and I want to add some rubies to it. So it is my prerogative, and it is my priority to go out there and make sure my hand gets raised on Saturday. All the said, is this where you want to be long? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I'm not sure, you know what I mean? It's, uh, they wanted to extend my contract after this one. They sent me like an extension on my contract, and they signed it. And they didn't even know that they sent it to me. I was kind of like, why are you guys making me feel like shit? I was like, I've always been for the company. Uh, you know what I mean? I've always done everything. When I, let me go back to when I was injured. I took the Olivera fight short notice. I did that because I was like, you know what? They need somebody. I was like, it's kind of cool. The kid's got a lot of talent. I was like, you know, he deserves a shot. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do what I got to do. We practiced zero jujitsu, zero jujitsu. But when come time, when Joe Rogan was talking, it looked like I didn't know what the fuck I was doing yet. I was more active on the bottom than Dustin Poirier, and I didn't hear one fucking word talk about how bad his jujitsu was. So I'm gonna be real, like I said, I had to go back and I had to watch my fight films without the commentary because people listen, they're like sheep. I'm gonna be real with you. Sometimes, I'm gonna be real, the commentators are talking to them like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about. And they're making guys like me sound like I'm an idiot for one, and two, that I'm out there and I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So I had to kind of take that, and I'm gonna be real, like I said. <laughs> so, I mean, we're going back and having a fun part about that. Uh, like I said, I'm always gonna be here for the company, you know, but will they be here for me? Tony, over here. Uh, when I got injured, hold on. When I got injured, I didn't get a flight home. I got treated the same way. Chris Weedman, he got a personal flight back. I couldn't fucking walk. I couldn't do the same shit. So I'm not sure what the corporate, corporate is, you know what I mean, talking about that. But there's some questions to be raised on how they treat their athletes, that's for sure. Tony, you, you said you, they had reached out to re-up your deal. Are you nearing the end of your deal? Like, is this the last fight? No, nah, I got a bunch, man. I'm going to be real. I'm, I'm willing to be able to fight it out to go out there and, and not be held under. Like I said, like, like I'm gonna be real, like the promoters here, they act like drug dealers sometimes. You know what I mean? They just throw down a couple bucks here and there and you're like, come here kid, come here kid, come here kid. Here, take this, take this, take this, take this. And if you don't have the will to say no to that stupid shit, you're gonna get fucked. I mean, I've seen like, like Terrence McKinney is the same fucking way and a couple other people, you know what I mean? Like, and even for me to go out there and then I had to say no a couple times. You know, I had to fucking ignore Dana's call once during the pandemic. I'm, hang I'm chilling, man, I'm skateboarding. Why, because you know what? You didn't answer my phone call. It's not gonna be about that because I'm having fun. I'm doing something for myself, which is cool. And it took a long time to be able to think about myself like that because of the company for a long time, they treated me like shit. You know, and that's a lot of underlying stuff. You know what I mean? So, you know, you talk about event ops, you know, they're trying to, you know, come out here and search for me to sign my fucking contract. And I'm like, you guys are sweating bullets, huh? That's how you guys make me feel sometimes. So it's not fair. Tony, over here, uh, you mentioned going back to your roots and Grand Valley State. You recently brought your former wrestling coach, Dave Mills, back into the mix. Mm -hmm. uh, what prompted you to start training under Mills again? 
I've always trained under Mills, just nobody knew about it. Yeah. So, I mean, he's always been one of those great mentors for me, uh, gave me the chance and the opportunity. Funny story, really quick. As I go out there and I'm bartending, my buddy calls me up. He's like, Tony, we need your help. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, we got a guy named Gitch. You know, he's preparing for a three-time national champ, four-time national championship. We'd like you to come in and practice. Dude, I've been smoking cigars, eating hoagies, and drinking. I don't care, Tony. Just come in here. Come in here. All right. I'm like, fuck, man. I've, I've been to Grand Valley, and I partied a couple of times. Never been there to compete. I go. I show up. I go there like a student. I park. I had to go through the whole entire thing of finding parking for one. That was, that was crazy. <laughs> I was like, this is fun. But first, I went through through the tunnel. Like, even here at Arizona State, being here again, it brings me back to college town. And it brings me a good feeling. It brings me back into here where I need to be. I go there, and, I, and I'm looking through the stuff. I'm like, hey, where's the wrestling room? They're pointing that way. And I'm like, ah, oh, man, I'm looking. There's an uh, indoor track, and there's basketball. There's, like, a whole volleyball court. There's, like, weightlifting equipment. There's, like, it's dope. I'm like, this is cool. It's like the Performance Institute. It felt like a real college university. I go in the wrestling room. You can't even look in the window. It's all fucking fogged. I go in there. I'm all nervous. My heart's racing like crazy. I'm like, <gasps> control yourself. Coach Mills comes up. My buddy Dustin comes up. Same thing. They introduce him. He introduced me to the team really quick. I get ready, and there's Gitch over there with his fucking hand getting taped. He has a club. Like, mean son of a bitch. Cool dude, too, man. Hard fucking worker. And he's preparing for me. And I'm like, oh, man, here we go. I go, I lace up my, my wrestling shoes. I haven't worn them in a long time. I'm sitting there, and then, uh, we go and we shake hands. And I go and I hit him with an ankle pick. Pissed him off. <laughs> Pissed him off. Go out there, and I did really well. What do you think I did next? Ran over to the bucket. <laughs> Puked. I was out of shape. I get back on the mat. We had another match. And I did the best I could. And it was cool. I did really, really well helping my partner, my buddy, go out there and prepare for his national championship. Didn't know him at the time, but I made a best friend right there. A couple months go by. And afterwards, you know, I, I said, thank you, guys. And I was kind of embarrassed that I went and I puked in the thing. But I got back after it. I went and I started running. It was the opportunity is what gave me that, that, that mental clarity to be able to do that. And I get a phone call from Coach Dave Mills. Hey, Tony. Dave Mills here from Grand Valley State University. We'd like you to, uh, uh, he was talking to me, talking and talking to me, and then he said, opportunity came up. We would love for you to come and wrestle for us. Holy shit. Blessing. Opportunities exist when we create them. And that was one of the best things in, in my life that changed it. So I've known Coach Mills for probably about 14, 15 years. Man, great mentor, man. Fucking awesome. So I'm glad for that. And then uh, shout out to Coach Mills. Just one from me. Sorry, Tony. Don't, can I just quickly go? Um, Writing a book up here. <laughs> just want to ask, having fought Charles Oliveira and Justin Gaethje within the last couple of years, I was wanting to get your prediction on that fight and how you see it going. Uh, the boys are going to bring it. I think they've gotten better each time, which is cool. They've got great coaching staff, which is excellent. Um, you know, I can't talk about theirs too much because I have a great coaching staff as well. I had a, you have to bring in the right people at the right time to be able to do the right things. You know, and sometimes the chemistry doesn't work. Sometimes it does. You know, over at their camp with Trevor Women, they have very good chemistry. Uh, they got a solid team. Uh, same thing with Oliveira, shoot the box. They have a very solid team. They have a lot of people they can spar with. Very cool. I moved to Orange County with uh, Rain Training Center, and when that disappeared, it kind of left me in the open. I had to kind of find myself in my own spot. So uh, with them in the regards to where they're fighting, it's not my concern, man. I'm going to be real. I don't give a fuck. 
So hopefully they go out there and have a good fight and not boring one. So, so everybody's buying this pay-per-view. So make sure you guys don't stream that shit. We'll find you. <laughs>